I've been talking lately about good film music, but what about films about music? I imagine it's difficult to do. What can a movie say about music that the music itself doesn't already tell you? But great directors have turned their cameras on music makers in lots of different ways. Music biopics often fall flat for me. It's hard to idolize a musician and tell an interesting story at the same time. But the Criterion Collection has some good ones. Sid and Nancy about the Sex Pistols' doomed bassist Sid Vicious and the Buena Vista Social Club, which brought some of Cuba's best musicians to the attention of the world. Instead of riding on the fame of their subjects, these talk about the mixed-up cultures that the music comes from. Then there are concert films. It's nice to see what master storyteller Ingmar Bergman does when adapting Mozart's opera The Magic Flute. And the concert film Monterey Pop 1967 shows how the visual aspect of Jimi Hendrix's performances was just as intense as the sound. Some of my favorite music films are fictional. Good directors can really bring out the drama of characters confronting the problems of their musical aspirations. Those of the Jim Jarmusch film Mystery Train meet in Memphis on a fateful night to trace the beginnings of rock and roll. This is Spinal Tap is a cautionary tale of rockers who take themselves too seriously. The bonus to all these is that the soundtracks are good too. Even if the film is in a foreign language, I can like it without reading the subtitles. For KMUW, I'm Mark Foley. listening to Musical Space. I'm Fletcher Powell with Mark Foley, of course. Hey, Mark. Hi, Fletcher. And I'm really glad you hit on this um, movies about music because, I mean, really, this goes back essentially as far as we've had sound in movies. I mean, the generally regarded as the first talkie, the jazz singer. So yeah, from exactly. Like 1927, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, it's it's as ingrained in, in filmmaking history as pretty much anything else. Right. And and we've seen so many bad ones. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like the filmmakers just trying to lionize the subject. Right. And, yeah. and I've seen ones that are just totally boring and you don't. You don't see the nitty-gritty of these characters or even what they had to go through to get where they were. Yeah, you feel like you could uh, pretty much just listen to their CD and and that would be good. I know, exactly. That'd be even better. Yeah, then you hear their best work. But we were just listening to Jimi Hendrix uh, from that Monterey Pop film. Oh, man. Like, you don't realize until you see the film that he's using his teeth to play some of the notes <laughs> of the solo on the guitar. It's amazing. And this this movie came out uh, when Jimmy was relatively unknown. And this is the one that really put him on the map. And concert films, I mean, there's there are a couple uh, that you mentioned um, in just a little bit, but... I mean, a couple others that you don't mention. I mean, they're just when they're made well, they're just an incredible experience. You've got right. like "Stop Making Sense," of course. Yeah, that's an excellent one. And then you've got something like "Gimme Shelter" uh, that the Mazel's Brothers, famous documentarians, did with the Rolling Stones. Right, and that's just just a chilling movie. I mean, oh, on, on one side you've got this great concert footage, on the other you've got an actual murder 
Yeah, it's oh, it's something else. Yeah, yeah, it's striking. And and I mean, the, you know, there are bad concert films too, but but when right. they're when they're done well, they yeah. just they really give you that charge. Yeah, and just watch the last waltz. Just oh just watch yeah, it. absolutely. I know this is the band, the most famous band of its day, breaking up, <laughs> and then everybody uh, wanted to come out and, and help out, and all the cameos on there. I mean, you can't help but being drawn in. Well, let's take a look at, at the listening list you brought along. This first one, uh, just. It's a beautiful movie. <laughs> the it, the it Umbrellas really is. of Cherbourg. Yeah, I don't know if, if you're even a music theater fan. This movie is just kind of a miracle. Oh, my goodness. Uh, because the acting is great and the music, of course. It's all by Michel Legrand. Um, and I don't know of any other movie like this no, because it's an more. actual opera. Um, every word is sung. There's not a single spoken word in the whole thing. So it's traditional opera recitative and then a lot of you know, features, I would call them arias, really. Um, but they're in this musical theater style. Uh, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg from 1964. We're going to hear the big song from that movie. It's called I Will Wait For You. Mais je ne pourrai jamais vivre sans toi Je ne Speaking of operas, uh, you mentioned uh, Ingmar Bergman's uh, take on the magic flute. Right. I think this is the perfect movie to get into Bergman because he did a lot of theater staging as well. And he staged this opera for the stage before he did a movie version of it. Um, but he's like the opposite of bad director, right? Because <laughs> he, he will just unflinchingly put the camera on a character and let the emotions just flow. Yep. Um, what we're going to listen to is the overture from Mozart's Magic Flute Opera. And the opening sequence of this movie is really striking because um, all he does is put the camera on various uh, audience members. Mm -hmm. And then you get to see their looks of expectation and just kind of draws us in and uh, sets the... Uh, the tempo for the movie too because it's very slow moving you know like we're looking at these people's faces for a long time and we get into their emotions and it, it's it's just really amazing i've never seen anything like this before this is the magic flute the bergman version from 1975 
been talking about operas, uh, certainly uh, something with with a uh, an interesting history, but some great stuff. The rock opera. Right, yeah. <laughs> I love this genre because <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> but then um, Pete Townsend, he's got to be the most busy, productive rock composer of the 1970s. Mm. I can't believe what he put out. And this one he did in 1979, Quadrophenia. It's about a character who's having an identity crisis, and it's in the backdrop of the mods versus rockers thing that was going on in London at this time. So very stylish, right? right. And then there's this band, The Who, <laughs> which was... <laughs> I think one of the most important bands, not only of the 70s, but the 60s as well. So they were there when the mods were being invented, right? So so there's a lot of layers going on here. And I love this song. When it hit on the radio, it was just pretty cool. I know you're too young for this. But. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, y- yeah, but I still love it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great <laughs> recording. Uh, the Real Me from Quadrophenia by The Who, 1979. <laughs> movie uh, I was very pleased to hear you mention in your piece. Uh, of course, a complete delight and, and really kind of kicked off a whole subgenre that sort of uh, fake documentary. Um, this is Spinal Tap. Right. Yeah. Were there any mockumentaries before this? You got to figure there were, but there certainly I can't think of one. Yeah, I can't either. Um, this one made the 2002 Library of Congress list of culturally, historically, or aesthetically <laughs> significant films. And this is one of the silliest films I've ever oh, seen. God. The, the characters, they're all ad-libbing, and they're not afraid to make themselves just total asses the whole time. And we've known musicians like this, right? <laughs> and I remember, I don't know what's true and what's not, but I remember stories of critics uh, walking out of this movie and just being completely baffled because they thought it was a legitimate <laughs> rock documentary. Well, it's scarily close to the truth, <laughs> it's right? It's just I mean, right on the edge. I know. Yeah, um, and it gets worse and worse and worse as the movie <laughs> goes on. If you haven't seen Spinal Tap... You don't know what people are quoting all the time. all the time. (laughs) Yeah, when it came out in 1984, this one changed my life. Uh, This is Spinal Tap. This is uh, (laughs) Spinal Tap's tune, Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight. 
Also good to uh, hear you mention uh, Sid and Nancy. Uh, Gary Oldman, one of his early roles as as Sid Vicious. Um, and, and, you know, this is kind of a rough movie. It's really tough. Only two years after Spinal Tap and just the like the polar opposite of oh, seriousness. Yeah. Uh, but I like it because it, it ties in the culture behind um, the punk rock movement and... And then what it's like when you have people enabling people with really serious problems and how their lives just spiral down. It's a, it's a commentary on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, 1986, six, Sid and Nancy came out, and there's a beautiful soundtrack. Uh, this band, The Pogues, I think you oh. mostly know them for their kind of punk take on, on Irish traditional right. tunes. Uh-huh. But this is just a beautiful punk tune they did called Haunted. This is uh, taking place during the final scene where Sid Vicious finally leaves the earth. mentioned uh, Jim Jarmusch, who, who is somebody who definitely knows how to use music. Um, I mean, you could name any number of his movies. I was just all, all of a sudden thinking of um, his partnership with the RZA in Ghost Dog. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Which, which is not a, a movie that even seems like it ought to exist. It's just like the concept is so strange, but it really right. works. Yeah, it really does. He's he's another unflinching you know, filmmaker. He just really delves in. Uh, but the stories are always so deep and quirky. At the same time, there's all kinds of cool cameos in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins is in this movie. Yeah, talking about Mystery Train now, not the, not Ghost Dog. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the movie Mystery Train from 1989. Really cool movie. Just trying to trace the um, the the beginnings of rock and roll in Memphis, and you can kind of see the wheels turning in his mind, like. You can tell he's wrestled with the ideas. Where did rock come from? Why is this so amazing to me? Um, So everybody's heard the tune Mystery Train uh, because of the Elvis version of it. But this is the original. Junior Parker doing Mystery Train from 1953. Um, I love how everybody in the band is imitating train sounds. You can hear it. On the drums, you can hear it on the guitar, and the sax player is doing a a train whistle. Well, that long black train carried my baby home. 
Finally, we'll, we'll end on Buena Vista Social Club. I hope people are already very familiar with this, um, certainly with the musicians, uh, whether they've seen the movie or not. I, I, have, I have one very specific opinion on this movie. Um, I'll tell you a couple of others first. One, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a concert film. I mean, there are, you know, there, there are plenty of scenes of them playing their music, but it's also really about musical discovery yes. because, because these are... Uh, musicians who who didn't really get the kind of exposure, at least here, that they clearly deserve because they're all complete geniuses. And so you discover this music while having that, uh, again, that charge of, of a concert film. Right, yeah, you're getting this really poignant film of these, these people that just because of political reasons, we didn't know about them. But then it's told through the eyes of this musician, Ry Cooter, mm-hmm. who is a hero of mine sure. because he's unearthing all this great music. Uh, listen to his soundtrack on Paris, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> so he's a really amazing um, film musician himself, and now we're meeting these people for the first time and, and bringing out this just absolutely gorgeous music. So here's my one very specific opinion. The okay. movie is, is about an hour and 40 minutes long. Totally normal movie length. I could have done with it being twice as long. Yes, yeah. Because like, there are a lot of musicians to get through, and, and he talks to all of them. But I I mean, I could have heard every single one of them talk for, for another 15 minutes, you know? Right, yeah. That's the key to good characterization is the backstory, right? Yeah. I want to hear every one of these backstories. Right, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's amazing. Um, so we've got this tune here uh, from Buena Vista Social Club. Right, yeah. It's the title track, Buena Vista Social Club. Um, it was by Orestes Lopez, inventor of the Mambo, and he wrote this tune in 1937. All right, well, we'll leave it there uh, with Buena Vista Social Club. Certainly um, worth picking up the soundtrack, definitely worth seeing the movie. Uh, Really, that's true for every single one of these. Yeah, thanks so much, Fletcher. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.